The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. Our show will educate you about OA's 12-step program so you recognize the symptoms of compulsive eating and find the support you need in a program that works to help you control your eating behaviors and maintain a healthy weight. In this next hour, you will realize you're not alone and that there is hope for recovery and a whole new life free of obsession with food and weight. Now, here is your host, Naomi Lapel. Good afternoon and welcome to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous, a 12-step solution to compulsive eating. I'm Naomi LaPel, Managing Director of Overeaters Anonymous, or OA. This 13-week series about OA will provide information on what the program's all about and how it's worked for people who are struggling with their weight and eating compulsively. We hope it'll help you decide if it might be right for you. On today's program, we'll be talking about keeping your eating sane during the holidays. Tis the season for the annual holiday food frenzy. From October through January, holiday celebrations revolve around food. Family get-togethers, office parties, potlucks. For people who don't have any issues with food or with their eating patterns, they may overindulge a bit, but not at the expense of their overall health and well-being. But for the compulsive eater who's trying to abstain from addictive eating, binging, purging, or food obsession, this time of year can be especially challenging. Joining us today are three guests from OA who will talk about what it's like for them during the holiday season now that they've reached and are maintaining a healthy weight. Since anonymity is an important principle of our program, we'll only be using their first names. We'll begin with Michelle. Welcome, Michelle. Are you there? Hi, Naomi. Um, So first, tell me how much weight you've lost and how long you've kept it off. I've been in program 11 11 and a half years, and I've been maintaining my abstinence for that time, and I'm maintaining a 108-pound weight release for over the last nine years. So that was 180 pounds? Is that what you said? 178. 178. Wow. That's amazing. So briefly, what was it like before you found OA when you were struggling with compulsive eating? Do you have some specific examples um, of how your life was affected? Yeah, I mean, for me, I constantly thought about the food. It seems that there was nothing but food on my mind. I could be eating a normal meal, and I'm already thinking about the next thing I was going to binge on. I was, wow. It was constantly in the forethought of my mind. I often was planning the next binge. Um, One of my sneakiest moments used to be when I would, at night, my parents would be in bed, and because I wanted um, a certain item out of our cabinet, it was in a a can, 
and it was a pretzel bag, but I didn't want my parents to hear me opening the can or the bag of pretzels, so I would go and I'd run the faucet in hopes that they wouldn't hear me. That's just how <laughs> bad I was in the food. Wow. Wow. And when the holidays came around, what was that like for you? A free-for-all. I would just devour anything possible. When we would have holidays, I'm an only child, so we would, and we didn't live in the same town as most of my family, so we would travel to other family members' houses, and sometimes it would be more than one family um, in a day, and usually it was buffet-style type environment. So we'd come in, couldn't, it didn't even have to be the time of day that you would typically eat, and I would graze all day. And because it was set up buffet-style, my parents might not be in the room, so they didn't know how much I was eating. And I would just, I would go on like that at each house and pick out the things that I liked the best. It was, and I, I'd look for those traditional family favorites and all the goodies. You know, those yeah. were the things that caught my eye the most. Yeah. And what about when you were in, when you became an adult? How did you deal with the holidays and with compulsive eating at that time? Before I came into OA? No, when you, when you were an adult. After you weren't living, you know, at home anymore? Oh, um, when I moved out, I um, actually gained even more weight when I was in a, this is my second marriage, my first marriage, I actually gained over 100 pounds because I was out on my own and I was dating somebody that their family just loved to cook and didn't think people cooked with lard anymore, but I mean, it was just, they accepted me the way I was, and they would feed me, and we would go out to eat all the time, so it became even worse, and I became even sneakier at times as well. You became, tell me again, you became? I I could be even sneakier when, um, because I was on my own, nobody knew what I was doing, and you know, if no one's at home, I could do what I wanted, or because... I wasn't under my parents' roof anymore. I could drive to where I wanted to to get the things I wanted instead of trying to sneak out of the house and steal money. I was now on my own, paying for my own way. And right. it was much worse because I was working and I could afford my binges so much more. Right, right. And um, when the holidays came around as an adult, was it the same kind of, did you feel like it was the same kind of free-for-all that you did when, when you were a kid? You know, I never really thought about it. I guess it really was the same, but I was more mindful of what, because I was an adult, I was watching what other people were doing. So I was, I would have the Diet Coke in my hand and making you think that I was on a diet, but I'd still be stuffing my face with something else. But I just, I didn't get it till I came in the program at how insane my eating was. It was really just, I, I just, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. Yeah. And when you first came into OA and you started to recover and get abstinent, um, how did you cope with your first holiday season? Well, it was interesting for me. Soon after I came into program, I had gotten pregnant. So that put a whole new twist on my entire program. And my first, it was a holiday vacation. It was just my immediate family. Parents and my in-laws, and we, I live in Minnesota. We went up north to uh, a remote location. There was no cell service. I mean, it's dark. It's light out until 10 o'clock in the evening, and it was a free-for-all eating. Everybody was eating, but I wasn't able to anymore. And it was the most uncomfortable feeling 
the mosquitoes are everywhere, so I can't go outside. There's no town. There's no cell service. I didn't know what to do. And thankfully, I had a really strong sponsor that was taking me through the big book and had set me set me up in really good ways on how to go about my vacation. And I went with literature. So I went in a room and I hid myself and I read my abstinence book and cried. And thankfully, my husband came in and I was able to share with him what was going on. And he helped me talk to everybody about not eating in front of me and not snacking in front of me. I called my sponsor the next day that I got into town. So it was a really scary time. But you know what? I did it. And I was six months abstinent at the time. And I was pregnant as well. So Good for you. That I, must I have been very, very stressful. It was. And the holidays around that um, would have been like Halloween, Thanksgiving. My daughter was born the day before Halloween. So I was enmeshed in that. I didn't have to worry about the candy and everything. I was in the hospital. And then Thanksgiving came around. It was different because at Thanksgiving and Christmas, I was focused on my baby. I didn't care about the food, but it gave me, it was truly the way God wanted me to come in the program and have a focus on something else besides the food. I was very, very blessed in so many ways. Wow. That's great. Now you've been in program, you said for 11 and a half years, right? Yes. Um, And so what are the, some of the things you do now when you know the holidays are coming up or some special event um, and you know that could, that could potentially be challenging as far as eating is concerned? Do you have some tips or strategies that you depend on? Absolutely. Um, I was, like I said, I was very blessed with a very strong sponsor that gave me lots of great suggestions of um, calling places ahead of time if I was going away for a vacation or a holiday, if it was a restaurant we were going to, calling ahead and finding out what abstinent things I could get. Um, sometimes I pre-pack my meals. I'm going, even though I'm going to an OA convention coming up this weekend, I'm still pre-packing a lot of my food just in case so that I know that I have what I need because I can't be guaranteed that I can get everything I need. Um, I measure my foods ahead of time. Sometimes when I'm going somewhere, I eat my meal before I go, depending on what's going to be served. Sometimes I pack part of the meal if I know I can only get, um, say, my protein and a fruit, but I won't be able to get a certain vegetable. I take what I need, and I always have a backup. And it's been a huge blessing because there have been many times where if I wouldn't have had that backup, I don't know what I would have done. I know I wouldn't have starved to death, but I would have been really scared and not known what to do. So those things really have saved me. Yeah, those are some great ideas. It sounds like you do a lot. You really make a point of planning ahead every day. Yeah, I do. I yeah. I actually, during the week now, I plan my, my meals. My breakfast and lunch are almost the same every day. I pack. I measure out my lunches and certain breakfast items for the whole week. It just makes it easier. I don't have to think about it. It's just, plan. I think I've heard in program, plan ahead so that you don't plan plan to fail. I, I forget how the little motto goes, but if I plan ahead, I can't fail. I always have a, a something to keep me safe. Right. I think it's something like fail to plan or plan to fail yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm curious, this is a little off the subject, but um, with all the planning that you do now, which which clearly has, has been successful for you, do you find that, that you plan more ahead in other areas of your life? Like, have you, have you been able to take that strategy into other areas of your life? 
I do tend to be a more organized person, and I do plan things. Having two kids, working as a preschool teacher, I benefit from a lot of things in my program that really the structure that I have in my program really helps to set me up for balancing my day to the best of my ability. Thank God program is about progress and not perfection, and I can take what I learn in program and apply it to my everyday life. And, yes, I do try and plan as best I can, and I, I try to plan but then let go of the expectations of what's actually going to happen because it doesn't always happen as I want it to. Right, right. Do you ever or did you even um, in your early early years um, when you in your early years in your abstinence, did you ever feel disappointed that you couldn't eat what everyone else was eating or or jealous of normal eaters? I, there were times, I went through different phases of it. I can remember some of the first times with family members listening to them, oh, I shouldn't eat that. And then I could hear in my head, well, then don't eat it. You know, I get angry at them. Or there'd be times where they'd be having something and I would, I'd be bummed out that I couldn't have it anymore. But my sponsor reminded me in a very nice way, you know, I had my lifetime, if it was ice cream, I've had my lifetime's worth and probably yours and several other people of that particular item. It's not mine anymore. I can't have it anymore. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and you can talk about that some more. So um, we will continue with Michelle after the break. This is Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stay tuned. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. 
Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with Michelle about how she deals with the focus on food around the holidays. So uh, we were talking about whether you felt deprived at all um, from, you know, not being able to eat the foods that other people seem to be able to eat and not have a problem with. Was there anything more that you wanted to say about that? I did just happen to remember the other thing I was thinking about. I can specifically remember being in the car one summer with my husband don't remember where we were driving and I just happened to look glance over to somebody else in the car and they were eating an ice cream cone I don't remember what nasty thing came out of my mouth but it surprised me because I was several years abstinent and I was angry that she could eat a cone of ice cream on a hot summer day and I couldn't so that kind yeah. of surprised me it didn't make me want it I wasn't craving it but I was kind of ticked me off but you know it, yeah it's bound to happen yeah, and how did you how did you kind of get yourself out of that space? I, I think I remember talking to my husband about how I was feeling at the time, and it was just as quick. I remembered, you know, I have had my lifetime's worth, and it's not for me anymore, and I don't think about it anymore. There are times I still try and remove myself from certain situations. There for a while, when we moved to Minnesota, there was an ice cream shop in town, and I felt bad because my kids wanted to go. So then I just said, you know what, can you take them? I don't want to go. Now I can go there, and it doesn't bother me at all. But when I'm not sure, I ask somebody else to do it or... And I'm very blessed because my family is really supportive and even when I'm at my in-laws or something, is it okay if we pop popcorn there for a while? That was a binge. It, it is a binge food for me. And I'm just grateful that they asked me ahead of time, will the smell bother you? Because for a while it did. Today it doesn't. So wow, I'm that's, very that's really great. That. Thanks. Yeah. What do you, I'm curious if you know what would happen just from your own experience of compulsive eating, if you, if you had that one taste or one piece of something that you know was a trigger or binge food for you at once at one time. I, I don't know that I would truly just pick it up and eat it and not be able to stop. But I also don't want to find out. (laughs) I I have had some instances and they've been over holidays where my structure of my day, say um, Christmas time, and I'm not working, so I'm not in my regular routine. If I'm not in my regular routine, that is a scary time for me, and I've been aware of that now, that my I've come very close two times to having a slip. And it wasn't because it was the food. It was all the red flags before. I might have not gotten up as early and read my meditation books. I might not have called my sponsor. It was just little things that came before that. And then something at a meal of something, I had a bigger slice of something or things like that. So I have to be real vigilant on trying to maintain that structure within my day no matter what. As much as I don't like to do it, especially on a weekend, I really have to keep it up because I don't want to go back to the food. Because I don't know if a piece of whatever, the ice cream, so to speak, that was one of my big ones. I don't know if I'd take a bite if it would just throw me right back in. And I don't want to find out. Yeah, it's not worth the risk, huh? No, absolutely not. Not for what I have today, no. Yeah. And um, how has your experience of the holidays been changed as a result of the the recovery you found in OA? I really find that now over the holidays, it's a true blessing. I'm, I'm so present. I'm involved in the family, whether we're playing games or we're having a conversation. I'm not the cook of the family, thank goodness, 
strangely <laughs> true. I'm not the one. I, I'm I'm the cleanup crew or whatever, and I don't prepare the things. I will help if I'm needed. So I'm not even in the kitchen. I'm usually doing something else. And because of that, I'm just more able to enjoy the day now and not think about the food. And when it comes time for dessert, I'm the one doing the dishes. And I'm really okay with that. And it's worked out really well for me. Oh, that's great. That's really inspiring. So it sounds like the the holidays have really transformed for you from, from something that actually probably made you suffer in the long run to something that's really special now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, that's great. Anything else you would like to share? I can't think of anything specific, no. <laughs> great. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us on the show. Thank you. And um, it was great to have you. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to welcome Michael to the show. Michael's from Colorado, and we're going to talk about his recovery in OA and what the holidays are like for him. So, Michael, are you there? Yes, uh, this is Michael from Colorado, and a pleasure to speak with you today, Naomi. Great, welcome. Thank you. So, tell me a little bit, uh, well, first, I understand you... You've maintained 110-pound weight loss for over 30 years. Is that right? Yes. Uh, I've been abstinent from compulsive eating for uh, 30 years, a day at a time, and uh, the, the, the uh, maintenance of the weight, uh, probably about uh, 29, 29, about 29 of those years. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. I'm just very, very grateful. Yeah. What, what was it like for you when you were in the middle of compulsive eating? Well, uh, eight, when I was not even hungry, Eating in the middle of the night, uh, particularly ice cream by the half a gallon, uh, would also, uh, and more days than not, during the week, stop at Dairy Queen a couple times a day. Uh, high blood pressure, uh, limited clothing selection. Uh, so often I just couldn't stop eating. Uh, and what, what I learned uh, later on was that I had, what I was doing was taking food well beyond its intended purpose uh, of physical nourishment, and I was attempting to use food to satisfy emotional hungers and fill spiritual voids, which was and is an impossibility, and I tried and I failed. Yeah. It was kind of chaotic. Yeah, it sounds like it. So uh, when you you were trying to fill uh, an emotional void or a spiritual void, did you ever ever find that it was filled by eating food? Well, so it seemed. uh, So it seemed uh, the the feelings of incompleteness, uh, the, the disappointments that uh, God was delivering to me, or that was my perception, uh, that pain or that discomfort, uh, you know, uh, food would, w- w- it was a short-lived relief, but it was, uh, it was uh, temporary at best. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when the holidays came around, before you found OA, what, what was that like for you? Well, for the most part, as I remember, it was a lot of nonstop snacking, a lot of double and triple portions of food. Of course, there were there were fun times uh, during the holidays. Uh, my life, uh, as I remember it, was not all uh, uh, chaotic. There was some fun and peaceful times, fun times, and then there was not then there was not the the not so fun times. And I I, I found it very difficult uh, uh, to uh, say no to food when it was offered. And at the time, uh, I didn't. I didn't realize I had a choice, and what was happening uh, to me, as I later learned, that the compulsion to overeat and the mental food obsession, they were speaking for me. 
they were, you know, uh, in, in a respect, uh, they were responding to even unhealthy choices and, you know, continuous uh, compulsive reading. Yeah. Do you recall your first holiday season after you came into OA, how that was for you? Yes, it, it, it was difficult. Uh, you know, as I remember, oftentimes I hear uh, the, uh, the Christmas season, the holiday season, they're the high, holy overeating days. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, but it, it was difficult. Uh, but I, I, had, uh, I had the program, the beginnings of, of living and uh, working the OA program, uh, and what, what I was, what was shared with me by my sponsor and others that I was, uh, listening to at, at meetings, uh, was, was that, uh, in the holiday season, whatever the holiday, holiday season might be or is, in terms of celebrating, uh, and, 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 and recognizing the, the, the significance attached to particular, uh, uh, holiday, uh, but in my life as a compulsive reader, such a day, such a time, such a period was just like any other day, and that as long as I was doing what the program suggested I do and turn to God, I'd be okay. I certainly I prayed a lot. And what was helpful to me uh, during these times was realizing and, and, and hearing that, uh, reading that, uh, you know, Compulsive reading is, is an illness, and it's not a social problem or a moral issue. It's an illness. Uh, other treatments, other prescriptions didn't work for me, but OA is the prescription. Uh, mm. And and as long as I'm, uh, if I may draw an analogy, as long as I'm opening the prescription bottle each day, uh, I've, I've got uh, you know I've got a chance of being okay. Yeah. It sounds like that was a, a real relief for you to yes. to hear that it was an illness that not it wasn't like a personal failing on your part that no, was there not. was really something wrong. Exactly right, and you know during during times of holidays or other days uh, of temptations early on, uh, you know I, I can always pick up the phone, call a sponsor, call my sponsor, call another fellow OA person, and. Uh, um, you know, you don't have, sometimes yet. Well, now what am I going to say? Well, often I what I did, I just say help, and they knew mm. what I was saying. So we maybe prayed the serenity prayer, chatted a little bit, and uh, that in itself, uh, you know, is part of the prescription, and and it, and, it, and it does work. Yeah. Now during the holidays, you know, it's often a time we're visiting with family and friends. Uh, early in your program, did you tell them that you were in a way, or even now, um, if you're in a situation with new people? How how did people respond to that? Well, I I did let family members know that that I was uh, in Overeaters Anonymous, and that uh, I had uh, a, a food allergy, and that and they were quite understanding. Uh, I, I was often you know uh, offered uh, you know uh, whatever it might be at a holiday celebration, and and something early on it was difficult. Uh, but I, I found the courage. I was given the courage uh, and the guidance and the support to, to, to just to say no, thank you. Yeah, because I know sometimes people, you know, they always want someone to eat with them. You exactly. know, come on, just have a bite. You know, it's okay. You can have a little bit, right? Exactly. But, yes. Right. But right. really, for for compulsive eaters, you can't. Like, no. It's just it's not an option for you. Like being an alcoholic, it's not an option to just have one drink. One one drink or, or, or one of something to me is now is, is like, you know, one bag full. 
Right, right. Or one half gallon of ice cream. Uh, I mean, so uh, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I, well, I would. I, I, let me correct myself. I did have one, one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. right. One after the other. After one after the other. One after the other. Exactly. <laughs> What are the some of the things that you do now um, when you know the holidays are, or maybe a wedding or some special event is coming up that could could be challenging as far as food is concerned? What it, it's what I do at least at least what this has evolved into uh, Naomi is it's that it's that daily prescription for recovery. Uh, and again, whether it be this day, a special day, or another day, each day. Uh, as as my recovery journey progressed, uh, I became more and more willing and more and more uh, uh, being guided to. I'm on my knee. I, I would be on my knees in prayer each morning. Uh, there would be certain readings that I would do, uh, and and expressing a, uh, a a a willingness to go to every length to abstain from compulsory reading, perhaps. Oh, you know what? We have to take a quick okay. break. I'm so sorry to interrupt sure, you, but we will be back with you after the break. Sure. Um, and uh, you are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on Voice America. We will be right back. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories. I took pills. Eating and eating and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone like nobody else could possibly understand we understand we're overeaters anonymous and we have helped thousands of people just like you people who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy rewarding life overeaters anonymous help me get my life back now i eat in a way that's healthy and good for me i never realized what i was missing out on with oa i am living again and loving it Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at oa.org. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to the show. We are talking with Michael about his recovery from compulsive eating and how he stays abstinent during the holidays. So, Michael, you were talking about your prescription for for abstinence. It's it's, it's daily. Daily prayer work, uh, some set prayers, some just uh, off-the-cuff prayers. Uh, God listens to most anything uh, I have to offer. Uh, I did learn something about prayer, that God doesn't need my prayers. I do. Uh, mm. And that, uh, you know, during the day, perhaps a phone call. Uh, maybe I'll do a little writing. 
I'll go about my business. Uh, if there's another compulsive reader that calls and perhaps needs to chat a bit or needs to meet for coffee, and we, we can do that. I mean, it doesn't happen every day, but uh, I certainly am willing to do what is necessary to, to help another compulsive reader. And then at night, I'll be on my near knees uh, giving thanks and doing some reading. And uh, I've been known to uh, you know, take phone calls uh, uh, at night, uh, before midnight, I'll answer the regular way, hello. If I'm called after midnight, I will say, hello, this better be, this better be important. <laughs> right. And it, and it always is because, uh, you know, the, if somebody's absence is on the line, and, and I, I mean this very seriously, if somebody's absence is on the line, uh, uh, they may not get it back, and any sleep I lose, I can always, get, I can always recover that. So. Right, right. It sounds like gratitude is really really important for your program every day. Very much so. Very much so. I, I, I am amazed, as I told I would be, uh, uh, by, by the, the beauty, by the rewards. Uh, you know, we still have, I still have life's ups and downs and uh, straightaways and detours and all that goes into living life, but, uh, and, 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 that, and, and that continues to go on. Life, life goes on. Uh, it's just my perspective, my, re- my and, and we not necessarily react, react as I once did, and sometimes I do, but more so respond. And there's some emotional balance. There's some uh, some mental clarity that, that has come as a result of this program, and certainly uh, the wonderful evolving relationship with God, who is ultimately the answer. Yeah. Did you ever feel, or do you ever feel deprived um, a, a bit with regard to food in terms of seeing other people being able to just eat whatever they want to eat, um, but you know that there there are some things that are just not an option for you? Does that ever make you feel deprived? I, I would say uh, that early on, and I'm, I mean early on when I'm saying I'm not, I'm not talking about the first few hours or first days, maybe months or so, or so, or maybe that did because there's a transition uh, of my old behaviors, my old uh, reactions. Uh, but as time has gone on, what, what, it, what happens, which is so great, and, and it, it's something that I couldn't do by myself, but with God, no way, and the fellowship, it's, it's place food in its proper perspective. This is what food is here for. And, and this is why we have food uh, for our nourishment. And uh, the, the thing is that it's here's here, the other thing is, see, I never knew I had a choice. Choice was being made for me. But now as a result of this program, I have a choice. I have a choice. And it's not that I... It's not that I couldn't compulsively overeat today or eat that or eat this or eat something there. It's that I choose not to. Right. I choose not to do that today. Maybe tomorrow's different, but I choose not to do that today. And that that power to choose is, again, supported by the OA program, the fellowship, uh, and, and God. And that was something before you really didn't have a choice or you didn't think you had a choice. It was really the compulsion that was choosing for you. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, So how has your experience of the holidays changed as a result of being in OA and and the experiences you've had um, in the program and in your recovery? Well, you know, the holidays... uh, Per se, haven't really changed. In, the, in just generally speaking, uh, you have your gladness and you have your sadness and good times and presents and laughter and tears and all of those things that go into holidays and the human experience. 
and, and that's you know in varying degrees you know that that's happens each holiday period what, what I have found and continue to find is that I'm changing my perception of of, of the uh, for instance the holidays how I perceive them how I re- how I, I how I respond to them and knowing that uh they're there for celebration, for enjoyment, they're getting to, you know, holidays are not always gladness. There's some sadness, but, but again, turning into the program, which is their works, uh, and, and turning to God, uh, it, it, it gives me, it gives me, uh, direction. It gives me, uh, uh, the guidance and, and, and it gives me the, uh, the motivation to, uh, you know, if I have to step back and say, well, you know, uh, just step back and pause and, and uh, you know, how best to proceed. And I, I don't do it perfectly. Uh, my only, I, where I am perfect is in my imperfections. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> perfect great. in that area. And if, and if you don't believe me, I'll give you a couple of numbers you can call and they'll verify it. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I remember um, when I talked to you uh, earlier, you you said something about the twelve step program being a journey within. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. What, what what I am finding, what I am finding is that, and continue to find is that, I have really no power over external circumstances. I tried that. Uh, if you uh, if you remember at a circus you see the uh the the performer with the plates the spinning plates and he's got two or three going and then then he's got five going then he looks back and, and two fell off so i i'm not able i don't have that uh that luxury to be able to control external circumstances what i have a chance what i have an opportunity and what i'm encouraged to do is ch- and that's where the real recovery comes is from within and i believe that the 12 step program of Overeaters Anonymous is a journey within me, and that journey goes to my center, okay? And that center, I believe, is where God resides. So we got rid of some of the excess weight. We got we get through the through the steps. We got rid of some of the excess and, and the the baggage that I was carrying, and right. the, and so to lighten that up to make that journey and. I'm finding that this, uh, the the recovery, is in OA and Overeaters Anonymous. What I'm finding, it's not to recovery; it's of recovery. The journey of recovery, because we're recovering yeah. as we go along each day. Yeah, that's really that's really beautiful the way that you shared that. Thank you so much for sharing, Michael. Well, thank uh, for you for so being much. on I the really show. Appreciate being invited. God bless you. Okay, so we are going to talk to our next guest, which is Karen from Florida. Are you there, Karen? I am, Naomi. Hi, Karen. Welcome. Thank you. Tell me first about your weight loss and and your length of maintaining that. I've been in programs since January 11th, 1992. Uh, My current abstinence, which is um, I had some uh, search and destroy where I thought I, I could, you know, I could do it on my own. My current absence is ten and a half years, and I'm maintaining a 210 pound weight loss. Wow, that's amazing! Good for you. That's just incredible. Um, so, what what was it like for you when you were struggling with compulsive eating? Was it something that even when you were as a kid, when you were a kid, even you were struggling with that? I've I've been a compulsive overeater probably since birth. 
but the one thing I knew that I could get in my family was uh, food. My father was in the food business, and um, we always, we weren't wealthy. We were poor. I didn't know we were poor because there was always food on the table, and it was good food. And my grandfather was a professional baker, and my mother was a wonderful baker and cook. So there was always food. And there wasn't a lot of... um, I'm the youngest of five, so by the time I got around, they were really tired of kids. So there wasn't a lot of attention. There wasn't a lot of family. There wasn't a lot of that. So what I knew that I could count on was food, and it was always there. So I learned how to get it, how to sneak it. Uh, my mother would spend the summers, my father would bring the produce home from the farmers that didn't sell, and my mother would can all summer. And it would go down in the fruit cellar, and I knew where the fruit cellar was, I knew where everything was, and I knew how I could get in, open the jars, and eat it, and arrange it, so maybe she wouldn't know I'd gotten down in there and eaten it. So wow. it, it, it's been all my life. Uh, I can't remember. My earliest recollection is probably I was six or seven, maybe eight, when I was compulsively eating. But I, I didn't know any other way. And it was my coping mechanism. It was my way of um, dealing with life. Yeah, like finding solace or comfort. Yes. It was my yeah. only, it was the only thing I could count on was the food. That wow. it never, in my mind, it never failed me. And in reality, it failed me every time. Wow. Wow. Did you, um, were you put on diets even when you were a kid? Did, did your family or your parents insist on that? Yes. <laughs> my first diet, I was 11. And my mother took me to a doctor, and he put me on, in those days, they were called black beauties. Well, they weren't called black beauties, but that's what they were. They were amphetamines. So at 11, I was on a diet, and I lost weight. And then that summer, my mother became seriously ill. The house was in chaos. My brother was brought home from from the uh, service on an emergency leave. My sister had to leave college. And I thought... It was because I had lost weight and I was thin. That's what my mind said. That's what I thought. So I proceeded to gain all that weight and back. By the time I was 12, I was over 200 pounds. Wow. Wow. So I, that, and that, that must that have been was, difficult as a kid. It was horrible. I mean, what amazed me is that not only were students, you know, my, my classmates were cruel, teachers were cruel. Um, strangers, family, it didn't matter. It still amazes me that people feel that they can say anything to someone who is fat. Yeah. Um, I've had strangers make comments to me. You really want to eat that? Wow. So I've had all the indignities, public and private, and mostly what I, you know, what I told myself that I was worthless and, you know, again, the only comfort I found was in food, and it really, it lied to me that it wasn't yeah. comforting. Yeah, I get that. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will come back and talk some more, okay? Okay. I'm Naomi LaPel, and you're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stay with us. 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to sound bites from overeaters anonymous with naomi lapel to find out more about oa please visit www.oa.org now back to today's program Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with Karen about her recovery from compulsive eating and how she stays sane around food during the holiday season. So let's talk a little bit about the holidays. Uh, when the holidays came around, what was that like for you? Before you that, found it. Before OA, it was a free-for-all. When, uh, as I said, my father was in the business, and the family worked in the business um, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So starting with Thanksgiving, it was, I knew where all the food was. Thanksgiving was at my, our house, so my, my, all my father's relatives came to our house for Thanksgiving. So I knew where all the food was. And I knew how much, we, I don't remember anything but the food. I remember where it was, who had it, how much was left over, when I could get it, when I could sneak it. It was, um, it was amazing, the the amount of food. And as I said, my mother was a baker, so she would start baking early November. Well, you know, you can go in and get one or two. I mean, I never could eat one or two of anything, but I tried. You know, I just sample. Well, you gotta you gotta sample, make sure they're still okay. And she would make <laughs> some things two or three times because she couldn't figure out where they all went. Well, I was. <laughs> I was making sure that the batches were good. Um, so it was, it was nonstop, nonstop. And then as I got older and I moved away from home and uh, met my future husband, his family was Italian. And I remember my first Thanksgiving with his family, and I thought, there is some way I have to get in this family. I have to marry this man because I had never seen that much food. We had two 
complete meals. We had the first Italian meal, and I thought, well, that was interesting. You know, I wasn't used to that, but it was really good, and I really enjoyed it. And then we took about an hour break to clean the table, and they did dishes. And out of the kitchen came a whole entire meal, American. And I thought, I have died and gone to heaven. This is somehow I've got to figure out how they do this. So um, I don't remember anything else. I, I have very little memory of the holidays except for the food. Sure. That, that's what was my focus. And then when I would start, after we got married and I started having the holidays, the best meal was after everybody left. Because right. then I could With eat all like the leftovers. I wanted. Yeah, oh, yeah. of course. That, that's where it really start. That's when the, the, you know, I really could dive in with nobody watching. After, yeah. you know, everybody went to bed, that's what I would do. Well, what are the, some of the things that you do now um, that you've been in OA and you've, you've um, stayed abstinent for so long and maintained a healthy weight? What do you do now when you know the holidays are coming up? Um, you know, how do you cope? Do you have particular strategies tips, anything like that? I do. I, um, when I was newly abstinent, I didn't have a lot of credibility. So it was a fight to say, I can't eat that. Um, you know, this is not mine. And I, I had the relatives that said, oh, you can have one. No, I can't. Oh, yeah, you can. No, I can't. Sometimes I'd have to get up and leave the table. Yeah. Because I just couldn't handle that. Now, when there is a holiday, I call ahead. What time are you planning? That's the biggest thing, because especially on Thanksgiving, people eat one meal. The good news, I ate three. I get to have three meals on Thanksgiving, just like I get every other day. So if the meal is in the middle of the day, like at 3 o'clock, it's like, how do I do this? So then I have to arrange what I do. Sometimes I will wait. You know, if they start eating at 3, they you get there at 3, you might eat by 4, so I figure I'm good till 5. So I, I try to plan ahead. I always call and ask what they're fixing or what they're having. My family knows what I do. They're very respectful. I have credibility today, and they're very respectful. They'll cook me something separate, or they'll say, Karen, you can have this, you can't have that, what do you need? And if they don't have it, I'll say, that's fine, I'll bring it. I don't take chances. Yeah, it sounds like having having that support and that acceptance from your family and friends is just so important to be able to get through these times. It's it, For me, it's critical. But even if I didn't have their support, I still need to take care of myself. So I call ahead. You know, right. if they want to go out to a restaurant, invariably when I'm uh, with my, my family, they'll want to go out to eat. Well, can I eat there? Well, they, oh, sure, you can eat there. Well, they don't know whether I can eat there or not. And it's their, their responsibility. It's mine. Right. So I will call ahead. Or I'll say, can it, nowadays with the computer, most restaurants have their menus online. I'll go in and I'll research and say, okay, I can eat there or I can't eat there. And if I can't eat there, I'll say, gee, I can't eat here. Can mm-hmm. we go someplace else? Yeah. Then I've learned to speak up for myself and say what I need because the food no longer gives me that emotional and spiritual support that I thought it did. Or that I did you find that there. difficult before speaking up uh, for what you needed? Was that Absolutely. something that you really learned by being in program? Working the steps. 
working the steps, studying the steps and working them for me, not just reading them, but working them and, and delving right way into the steps and saying, okay, what is my part in this? This is not got to really do with anybody else but me. What is my part and what do I need to do? I never stood up for myself. If, if they threw me a crumb, a crumb is better than nothing. Right. So what I had to learn was to say I'm worth, I am worth being a normal body weight. I am worth being healthy. I deserve to be healthy. And I'm yeah. the only one that can make that. So whether it's a holiday or vacation or whatever, it doesn't matter. I need to be prepared to take care of myself and to speak up. I'm not a people pleaser anymore. I still have tendencies, but not the way I was that, you know, whatever, whatever you want to give me is okay. No, it's not. I, yeah. I deserve better. So you said that um, before all your memories of the holidays were just about the food. And now, now that you've been in program for a while, how, how has your experience changed? Do you have other memories of the holidays now that are different than what you had in yeah. the past? I remember the people who were there. I can participate in a conversation and not worrying about, is the plate going to pass another time so I can get another serving? Will there be anything left? So I can be engaged in a conversation. I can be present. I was never present before. My focus was on the food. So I can be present. I can listen to the conversation. I can engage with the, the family or friends who are together, and we can laugh, and, and I'm, I'm participating. I'm not an observer anymore, and I spent most of my life observing, and today I'm a participant, and that makes a big difference. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a real transformation in your life, actually. It is. I'm not the person I used to be, either physically, hopefully emotionally and spiritually too. I am, I'm, I'm becoming what I believe God wanted me to be all along. Yeah. Like you, you've really found yourself. That's, yes. Someone once asked me what, what, I think the question was, what has OA done for you? What's the biggest gift? And it was me. I'm the biggest gift that OA gave me because before I, I didn't know who I was or what I was or if you wanted me to be something else, I'd be that because I didn't know. And today I'm working on being who I am. Yeah, that's so inspiring. Talk about what might happen just from your own experience if you had a bite of, of one of your trigger foods now? Well, about, well, about 10 and a half years ago or 11 years ago, I thought I knew it all. I'd been in program long enough. Uh, my husband had just passed away and I thought, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to go to meetings. I'm too busy. My life is too full. I know how to do this. I've been doing this for long enough. And I started picking up just little things. And I was off and running. And in a very short amount of time, I gained 40 pounds. And woke up and said, what am I doing? I know what the 200 pounds is. It's just waiting for me. So I've had that brief experience knowing that I don't care how long I'm stopped. If I think I can handle one, I will be back where I was before. And I will be worse. I will be one of those people that they have to break down the door or take out a window to get me out of the house. 
I will be wow. one of those people. I know it. So, you know what? I've I've had enough for a lifetime. And there are lots of foods I haven't had in the 20 years I've been in program. But you know what? There were so many before then that there's, there's nothing new out there for me that's going to give me what OA can give me. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's It's just really remarkable, all your stories, how you've come through the program and really made lives for yourself that you never imagined were possible before. So um, so I'm honored to hear your stories and um, be able to share them with others. Thank you for asking me. I'm, I'm, I'm privileged and honored to be able to do this. Good. Thank you. Well, it's time to wrap up another episode of Sound Bites from OA. Thank you again to members Michelle, Michael, and Karen for being on the show today and sharing your insights and your successes with us. If you're suffering with your eating patterns and it feels like no matter what you try, you just can't stop, I want you to know that there are people out there who felt exactly like you and they've suffered in the same way and they found freedom from their obsession with food during the holidays and year-round in the OA program. Go to our website at OA.org and find a meeting or call us at 505-891-2664. That's 505-891-2664. Join us next week when we'll be talking to more members with incredible successes on our show, 100 Pounds or More to Lose, Is There Hope for Me in OA? Thanks for listening. Thank you again for joining us this week. Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until next week's program, may you find support, acceptance, and hope for a renewed life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.